It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 29th, 2019. My name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we will begin our season recap series discussing what went right and what went wrong this season. And I'll tell you right off the top, there's not a lot that went wrong for the Magic this season, at least when we compare them to our preseason expectations. But we'll talk all about the Magic season, kind of recap where the team is at, what again, what went right during the season, what went wrong, before we start looking at the individual players and how they performed next week. So a lot to get to here, uh, a lot to get to, honestly, for... Uh, the Orlando Magic, the season is now officially over. We're in our first full week since the season ended. Of course, it ended last Tuesday. And so we'll begin kind of discussing what the team accomplished this year and, and how they move forward as, as we begin to ponder the offseason a little bit more. We'll update you on any news or anything that goes on after, uh, goes on as well throughout the podcast, throughout the weeks here as we recap the season. Um, it's going to be a little while. We're going we're gonna to really do our, do our due diligence here. We got some time to kill uh, as the NBA playoffs continue. Um, but certainly, uh, we'll, we'll catch you up on things. But yeah, players are already on vacation and and off doing their own thing, which they absolutely deserve to do. Um, I, I still have not seen Terrence Ross's opinion on Endgame. I would very much like to see it. But as always, this is a spoiler-free zone, including for Game of Thrones, which I don't watch. You can convince me otherwise. Um, if you want, And the reason why I don't watch Game of Thrones, of course, is that I'm too busy listening to all the podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I mean, I committed three hours to Endgame. I had to skip like... Locked on Mavericks the other day. It happens. But uh, if you want to get the lowdown on all the teams remaining in the NBA playoffs, whether it's the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, Philadelphia 76ers, Toronto Raptors, Portland Trailblazers, Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors, or Houston Rockets, you can find a daily podcast covering them on the Locked On Podcast Network. Search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, or check out Locked On NBA or Locked On Fantasy Basketball for your national perspective, as well as fantasy basketball needs. There's actually a Locked On podcast as well covering all the NFL teams too. Get a recap of the NFL Draft on Locked On NFL Draft or check out the individual teams including Locked On Bucks, Locked On Jaguars, and Locked On Dolphins to get a complete recap of the recently finished NFL Draft. I'm sure Locked On Giants is is going very swimmingly right now from, from all that I've heard. Again, I was watching Avengers Endgame so I didn't even pay attention to the first round of the draft. So I'm playing catch up and that's where I'm going to get caught up. You can find all these podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device, or on the Himalaya app, have podcasts downloaded directly to your device, as well as get suggestions and playlists to the entire Locked On Podcast Network is on the Himalaya app. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Go back with me now to... Let's say October, September, October. I'm sure you could go into the archives here on Locked On Magic and 
and, and hear me talk about what the main goal of the season was. What the Magic, at a very baseline, had to do in order for us to call this season a success. And, and I'm pretty sure it would go something like this. The main goal for the Magic is not about wins and losses. It's not about making or missing the playoffs. The main goal is about reestablishing legitimacy in the franchise, proving that this franchise is a place people can win, and establishing the beginnings of an identity. Establishing the beginnings of a, buzzword alert, culture. Establishing who this team's going to be moving forward. Back in September, October, early, early, early in the season, most of us, and this is probably still somewhat true, even after a playoff appearance, most of us probably believe that this wasn't the final product. This wasn't the final roster, and I would agree wholeheartedly with that today. We are not at the final product yet. And so this season very much felt like another connector from the old regime to the new regime because, again, the Magic just didn't have a lot of cap room to spend, couldn't really flip the roster over. And so the team had to find sort of, or we had to find at least, other measures for success for this team, looking out at the long-term picture as well as the short-term picture. And so now we have to go back further in time. And I promise you, I'm not spoiling Endgame. We have to go back further in time. That was a spoiler. I, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm over. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. We have to go back further in time to about this time of year last year, early May, mid-May, when the Magic hired Steve Clifford. He would be the team's fifth coach in six years. They're third in four years. Jeff Weltman made his first big decision as the Magic's general manager. He had a couple draft, he had a draft pick in Jonathan Isaac, sure. But this was the big decision. This was the culture establisher, the tone setter, the guy who would essentially be the voice turning his vision into reality, molding his players into whatever this team was going to become. Back then, fans were not enthused about Steve Clifford. Hard to believe now. But the going thought was they should go younger, go with an unproven co- go with a coach who, you know, could could energize the young guys. Not a coach who had kind of run his course in Charlotte. Had kind of leveled off in Charlotte at least as someone who couldn't get over the hump out of the first round. To which I think there is a fair argument for that. And finding the right coach is paramount. But I do recall me saying this. There's one thing that Steve Clifford is really good at. And that is establishing a culture. He turned a terrible Charlotte Hornets team, Charlotte Bobcats team at the time, into a competitive team. A team that fought and played every single day, game, every single outing, and was tough to beat. Magic know that better than most. And it was echoed in the press conference. The promise, essentially, that Steve Clifford and Jeff Weltman made at his introductory press conference was Steve Clifford teams are tough-nosed defensively, disciplined on offense. 
They don't beat themselves. Low turnovers. High defensive rebound rate. They are a team that you know you have to play against. And if that's the promise that would accomplish that preseason goal of building credibility again, of beginning the foundations of identity, because you don't do that without having something very deep within your core that you're good at, that you can do time and time again. Most of us probably didn't expect the leap that the Magic made this year. They were, I think, sixth in defensive or third in defensive rebound rate, sixth in turnover rate, eighth in defensive rating. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen immediately. But Steve Clifford changed the culture of this franchise. His open and honest way of talking to the team, of setting goals, open-ended goals, really. I mean, I, I still think about this, especially after the Magic had made the playoffs. Steve Clifford in a promo for Fox Sports Florida says, you know, I don't believe in setting limits on what a team can achieve. He didn't say the goal was to make the playoffs. The goal was to achieve more, to keep being a, the better version of yourself. Steve Clifford won't win Coach of the Year this year. He probably won't even, I mean, he didn't get a single vote when the coaches themselves voted for the Coach of the Year. But to be sure, the players know what helped turn this team around, what helped them make the playoffs at long last. And it was themselves. They did the work. But it was having a coach that put them in the right spot finally. Having a coach that they could believe in that they could build with, that they could grow with as the season moved on. Another thing that Clifford said would happen. The team was going to be better in March than they were in December. Better as the season went along. Peaking, I guess, at the right time. That, that, that's probably more myth than anything. He got them to believe. He got them to be confident. And at long last, after... Dropping to 20 and 31, Clifford still kept that belief in what he was doing and what he was preaching and, and, and the players that he had. And eventually it all clicked. And we saw what happened when it clicked. Finishing the season 22 and 9, getting to 42 wins, getting the seventh seed, making the playoffs. If there's one thing that was the most important thing to happen this year, it wasn't making the playoffs. That's a byproduct of what the Magic did this year, of what the Magic had to do this year. They found their coach. They found their voice. And they found their identity. Everything else we're going to talk about this week as far as what went right with the Orlando Magic. Everything else we talk about stems from what Steve Clifford built at the beginning. It stems, and, and you know, I, I again, I would say the players made the plays. They executed. But Clifford put them in the right spot. It stems from the belief that the coach had in them. The tactical changes that they made. The, the system and principles that they put in. It took them a while to figure it out, for sure. And that may have cost them a little bit in the end. But this team really came together, and Steve Clifford deserves a ton of credit for it. He deserves a ton of credit 
for revitalizing this franchise, for revitalizing this team, for finding a way to make what's essentially the same team that has lost for the last five or six years and getting them to believe they can win. I thought, honestly, I was realistic, but on the optimistic side when I said the Magic would win, I think I said 32 wins at the beginning of the season. I said there's a universe where they make the playoffs. They had the potential. But it took a long time for the team to get there. And when they got there, the avalanche was rolling. And yes, Steve Clifford deserves a lot of credit for that. Even in defeat, even after the playoff series is over and they talk to the media, you know, you could feel a confidence that they could do this. You could feel a desire even for the team to bring the whole group back again and do it again, run it back, because they believe they can do this. That with internal improvement, that with a full year under their belt, that they can do better next year. And who's to say, who's, who am I to tell them they can't? The Magic bring back the same team next year. You know, I'm not going to say they'll, they'll be dramatically better, but Jonathan Isaac should be better. Aaron Gordon should be better. Evan Fournier won't shoot like that again, hopefully. Who's to say they can't get to 45, 46, 47 wins? Steve Clifford showed them that the sky is truly the limit. That they can accomplish what so many thought they could not do. He should be very seriously in the running for coach of the year. The fact that he won't be is a credit to how good coaching is in the NBA. You know, Mike Budenholzer, Doc Rivers, all have done fantastic jobs. Nick Nurse, done fantastic jobs with their teams. So did Steve Clifford. And now Orlando truly has a foundation to build on. It isn't something that was thrown quickly away like under Scott Skiles, and again, he resigned. This is truly a foundation they can build on. Truly a belief and a confidence that they can win. And now they'll have the stability to pass that information down. The first day of practice in September won't be so much learning, but review. And that's big for the Orlando Magic. It's huge. Gets them off on the right foot. And this team now this team now has a culture to build on. And they have Steve Clifford to thank for that. Undoubtedly, that hire was a home run. And undoubtedly, the Magic can call can say they have a successful season because of Steve Clifford. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. 
J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. As I said, thinking about this season, it's it's really hard to, to pinpoint things that went kind of devastatingly wrong. And, and we have some things and and. and like I said, I, I like to try and pair these up with things that are that are somewhat related. But on this like kind of big picture item, on this this big picture thing, it's hard to say that that anything went wrong because, like I said, the main goal for the Magic this year was to reestablish that they can be a competitive team, that that they are a a team that's back on the rise which undoubtedly making the playoffs the way they did, they are. But to that point that they're a team on the rise, the, the discussions obviously turn to the offseason. Nikola Vucevic is a free agent. Terrence Ross is a free agent. And it's not, you know, it, it is easy to say the Magic are on the rise and talk about a young core that, that t- has the talent to be a really good team. Uh, you know, John, Aaron Gordon is... is coming into his own. Jonathan Isaac's coming into his own. Mo Bamba's a rookie. Markel Fultz is, is, you know, still really talented. There are a lot of positive signs. Yet, uh, the main criticism this Magic team faced, for, for worse for the most part, but, but a fair criticism at that, the guys that were still leading the charge for the Magic this year were veteran players. Nikola Vucevic became the team's all-star. Evan Fournier was taking the majority of late game shots. Terrence Ross was was playing for Jonathan Isaac in the playoffs at late in games because that was their winning lineup. DJ Augustine still a huge huge factor for this team, and the fact that he had a, a near career season is a big reason why the Magic were able to fight for a playoff spot. There are still big holes to fill on this team, and you know honestly, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority on this, and we'll talk about him a little bit more tomorrow. I think. Uh, take Nikola Vucevic off this team and it's going to be a real struggle. And so one thing that went sort of kind of wrong is the young players didn't step up and kind of take the reins. This was still Nikola Vucevic's team, which he's the best player on the team. That's It obviously was a strategy that worked. It got them wins. And so I think... What went wrong here, and it's perhaps less what went wrong and more predictions that went wrong, was that Aaron Gordon didn't become the team star player. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Gordon had a fantastic season. Finished year averaging 16 points per game, slightly down from his 17.6 last year, but every other metric was up. Shot 44.9% from the floor. 50.7 50.7 effective field goal percentage. Uh, 34.9% from beyond the arc, so still improving there. 7.4 rebounds per game. Career high 3.7 assists per game. He shot the ball more efficiently and, and with high volume, little, little fewer field goal attempts. Became a bit better of a playmaker and passer. And still scored a lot. 
he be you know he he said on opening on on media day that his goal was to become a better two way player and honestly it was kind of fun funny and and honestly I'm, I, I take this as encouragement actually he believes the only reason he wasn't getting all defensive team nods or, or buzz was because the Magic weren't on TV enough which to his point is fair you know I don't think he gets talked about a lot because the media don't get to see him. The national media don't get to see him. And he played great on Kawhi Leonard despite Kawhi Leonard going off. Now, granted, I don't think Aaron Gordon's quite all defensive team level yet, but he is very, very good. And he turned into a great two-way player. And I think that's fine. I, I don't think Gordon took a step back at all this year. I've had people say, you know, for, for highest paid player on the team, the Magic need more scoring from him. I'm like, no. No, he scored the right amount. He was efficient. He was effective. Maybe he could have been more aggressive at some spots, but did exactly what the Magic needed him to do at any particular moment. That's fine. But the Magic do need him to take another step. And after last year averaging 17.6 points per game, you know, scoring 30, 40 point games, multiple 30 point games, it felt like Gordon was about to take the leap. It felt like Gordon was about to become the team's star. Someone they could trust and turn to. And honestly, with the way he played and his penchant for sometimes searching for his own shot to others' detriment, if that had happened, it probably would have been bad for Gordon and certainly bad for the Magic. So again, this isn't so much something that went wrong because the way Gordon played this year was right. I thought he had an incredible year. I thought he had his best year in a Magic uniform, to be honest. And yeah, the result helps with that, but he was integral. He filled in gaps and did whatever the team needed him to do. But he may not have become the all-star, at least not yet, that we all thought he could be. Now, granted, Gordon is only 23 years old. So he's still got a lot of growth to do. He is nowhere near his prime. And honestly, if he takes that leap offensively as a scorer after this season, I feel a lot more confident that he will be a more efficient and productive star than if it had happened after last season. Last season, he averaged only 2.3 assists per game. So his assists per game went up by 1.4 per game this year. That's an incredible increase. That is such a fantastic job. His defensive numbers were all up to. According to basketball reference, he had 3.3 defensive win shares. By far his best mark. He had a plus 1.2 defensive box plus minus. Again, uh, uh, imperfect measure for sure, but tying his career high from his sophomore year. And he had a 2.0 victories over replacement player. So he was a very positive con- contributor to the team. All this with his usage rate dropping to 21.8%, which again, I think is a good thing. I want to see that bump back up eventually. But now he knows how to get efficient shots. He knows how to get others involved. And that will make him better. So again, Gordon had a really good year. But if we can say this prediction went wrong or something went wrong here, it's that he wasn't good enough 
to take over the team. This isn't his team yet. This is still Vucevic's team. And I think that does make you a little uneasy heading into this offseason. Because if Vucevic ends up leaving, then it definitely is Aaron Gordon's team. Or it should be. And whether he can handle that mantle, whether he can handle that scoring load, I don't think is particularly clear. And maybe that's the one thing that, that's really what went wrong this year. Is Gordon got a little too comfortable filling in the gaps, which the Magic needed again. I don't think it's a bad thing. But eventually, Gordon's going to have to take another step in his game. Whether it's with Vucevic or without. He's found his place in the NBA. He's a very good NBA player. Will he ever be an all-star? I still think that is to be written. And this year, he took a step toward it. But probably not the step we all expected it would be. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked On Magic and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll have write-ups on all these th- all these issues of what went right and what went wrong for the Magic this season on the website throughout the week. So definitely, definitely, definitely check that out. Plus, we're still cleaning up uh, stories from exit interviews. We'll address some of those in the coming weeks and coming days. Um, but yeah, we're beginning our, our season recap here. Um, hopefully we'll get a but we'll have lots of con- 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 lots of discussion here about the 2019 magic season. So definitely stay with us here as we continue to wrap up and recap the 2019 Orlando Magic season. Like I said, a very good one. It was very hard for me to come up with things that went wrong. And I hope you can see in this segment how much I am stretching to find things that went wrong. But we did find some, so we'll discuss those as well. But until tomorrow, we'll talk about another thing that went right or, or wrong. I have a hint. It's Nikola Vucevic. There's your hint. Hint over. Um, and our another spoiler-free episode of... Locked On Magic, but until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.